Welcome to another installment in our ongoing series of podcasts that aim to go deeper on some key topics and issues that are relevant to the community of in-town, community church, uh, and beyond. This is the first episode in a three-part series we're going to do entitled Roe v. Wade, Redemptive Wisdom for Christians. My name is Luke Brodeen. I'm one of the pastors here at InTown, and I'm here today uh, with our senior pastor, Jimmy Aiken, to talk about these issues. Now, Jimmy, we've been talking about recording uh, some podcasts to help our InTown community go deeper, Um, and this is your first opportunity to record one after your sabbatical. So what are we going to focus on and why? Well, I'm really excited for this opportunity, Luke. Um, I'm looking forward to doing a series of episodes reflecting on things that Tricia and I learned as we were listening to God during our sabbatical. Uh, this series focuses on something that, that happened during our sabbatical. On June 24th, uh, the Supreme Court issued the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade. That was about a, a week to go yet in our sabbatical. I began thinking... This is a really key moment, uh, and behind all of the legal and political and social issues, there's some key moral and spiritual issues. Um, how is God guiding us to respond as followers of Jesus? And then I started asking more specifically, how is he calling me as a pastor, a shepherd of the flock here at InTown, to equip people for this moment? So that's where this first podcast series uh, starts is with uh, focusing on redemptive wisdom for us in this moment. Well, these uh, are pretty weighty things, uh, Jimmy, that talking about the Dobbs decision, Roe v. Wade, abortion. Um, as a pastor, where do you think that we should start as we think about these things? Well, the best place to start might be a quote from a woman who's a member of our congregation. Um, I knew I needed a lot of prayer and preparation, so I asked some folks to be praying for this series and uh, share any wisdom they had. And, and one of our members shared this. She gave me permission to share it. I'm going to read her words. This issue has surely affected every person in our congregation. Uh, they've either had an abortion, assisted with getting someone to an abortion, they know someone who's had an abortion, are sad they had an abortion, happy they had an abortion, they gave to plan- Planned Parenthood, gave to Right to Life causes, they prayed about this issue. Um, so I, th- I think her words reflect to us this reality that this is not primarily a political issue or a legal issue, a medical issue or an ethical one. Of course, it is all of those things, but it's fundamentally a people issue. It's an issue that impacts human beings in our society, human beings here in our church. It's an issue that involves human life and the good news from Scripture is if it's a people issue, um, God cares about it. He cares about it uh, for two reasons. First, He is the creator of people. He is the creator and the redeemer of humanity. And then second, He cares about the people who are involved, the, the actual lives being impacted by these issues. And so I hope it encourages us and gives us comfort as we start this conversation to know that He cares deeply about everything we're going to talk about. Now, some people may not actually feel encouraged uh, or may not want to encourage talking about this. They might be saying that this is just a really delicate topic. Uh, It's created lots of division, which might only get worse over time. Can we just sidestep this? I understand the reaction. There are parts of my own heart that agree with that. 
and uh, you know we kind of like can I just keep my head down um, but I think we have to listen to what scripture says to us about this topic and so we're going to do that uh, our next episode we're going to uncover wisdom for loving God from scripture how do we love God by listening to what he has to say to us through his word about the issue of human life in the womb and beyond how do we love him by listening well to what he said so if you're interested in hearing what scripture has to say about those questions we will get there in our second episode then our third episode is going to come back and address wisdom for loving our neighbors how do we um, how do we respond to this moment in our culture how do we love other people as we interact around this issue if you're wondering about that we will get there um, but I want to start with uh, a question of posture. Um, it seems to me that we could say uh, that, that the topic of abortion in American uh, culture right now is, is like a, this raging fire. It's been quietly burning for decades, and uh, it just got reignited. And now as Christians, we can lean into that in a way that just throws gasoline on the fire and makes division worse and multiplies hatred and anger and hurt, or we can lean in with a kind of wisdom that actually make things better and bring some of the healing power of the gospel to bear. And so that's where I want us to start today. Thanks, Jimmy, for laying out what we're going to do in in these three episodes. But it seems like we're probably going to miss some important things along the way that we can't go into. Would you care to comment briefly on, on what we're going to have to leave aside? Yeah, so I want us to approach this topic primarily through a biblical lens. What does God say to us in His Word? So we're not going to approach things through a legislative or political lens. We're not primarily talking about how to win elections or pass laws or get more votes. We're not talking about how our government leaders ought to write wise uh, laws in light of this recent Supreme Court decision. Um, I don't want to be naive about it. Of course, there's an intersection between our faith and our politics. If Jesus is Lord of anything, he is Lord of everything. And so he's Lord of our whole lives. Uh, There's a New York Times podcaster named Jane Koston who was recently interviewing Esau Macaulay and asked him about this intersection between faith and politics. And he said, essentially, our values shape the way we vote. And, of course, our religious beliefs shape our values. So there is an unavoidable intersection between what God teaches us through his word and and what we think looks like wise governance in our society. There is an intersection there. It exists. But we want to take a step back from that and say, first of all, what is the biblical lens through which to view these issues? So we're going to leave some of those political and legislative questions aside, not because they're unimportant, but they just aren't the best starting place for us. So, Jimmy, where should we start? I mean, there's not a chapter or a verse in the Bible where God has said, hey, when the Dobbs decision, that comes down, and you're wondering what a Christian response would look like, you need to read this. Yeah, um, we chuckle as pastors, don't we, and kind of wish it was that easy. Um, God has spoken to us, though, about how to live wisely in His world, uh, even when there's a a context of division and strife. Um, And I've been drawn uh, to James chapter 3, and I've got to say at this point, to kind of go, 
wait a minute, I thought we were going to talk about Roe versus Wade. I thought we were going to talk about the issue of abortion. Why are we going to James 3? The reason comes back to that metaphor of this burning fire, and will we throw fuel on it and make it worse? Um, James chapter 3 is addressing exactly that question, um, and it describes two kinds of wisdom. There's this worldly wisdom that makes division worse, and then there's this redemptive wisdom. We want to learn to recognize what that looks like, and we learn to practice it. But Jimmy, would it be okay if I could push back just a little bit? What if someone who's listening to this right now is thinking, this is just the Bible. James was giving religious talks. This was all stuff for the context of the church. But we're facing serious real-world conflict, and our culture is very polarized in the at the moment, and this is really over a life and death issue. Yeah, I think that's where it helps for us to dig into the context a bit of the first century. And this is James, the brother of Jesus. He's ministering around Jerusalem. There is a huge gulf between wealthy people and impoverished people in, in his setting. And so uh, for the poor who are being mistreated by the wealthy in his context, it is a life and death issue. Uh, they're living meal to meal, day to day, and um, the the kind of strife that was happening in the broader society over these economic uh, problems was creating uh, quarreling and fighting and and strong passions. So you listen to the first verse of chapter four, and he asks this question: What causes quarrels and fights among you? Uh, isn't it this that your passions are at war with you? So you can hear something of the intensity that he is facing as a shepherd of a Christian flock. Um, and he even compares the level of hatred that people are experiencing to murder. He says uh, in the next verse, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Um, so in other words, James would not have said, oh yeah, I'm just talking about churchy stuff. He would, he would look at what's going on in his world around him and say there's this broader uh, issue of economic injustice in the society. Um, that's why he speaks about favoritism inside the church, in church meetings, if you remember the beginning of the second chapter of his letter. And he says there that uh, wealthy people are oppressing Christian believers and dragging them into court. In other words, James, when he talks about wisdom, he's talking about a context a whole lot like ours today. Very deep division related to broader issues in the society, not limited to what's happening inside the church. It's evolving conflict between Christians and their neighbors who don't share their Christian faith. It's spilling over into the legal system. He says they are dragging you into court. And it's the kind of thing that could potentially lead to division inside the church. So uh, James isn't just engaging in churchy talk or empty religious sentiment. He's talking about a serious situation. I think we can find some guidance here for our own situation today. Now, thankfully, even though it's a serious situation, James is quick to say it's not hopeless. So as he's describing this conflict, this context of quarreling and fighting and passions and murderous hatred, he says there is a solution. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6, he gives more grace. There's good news here. God gives more grace. 
Um, let's think about that in terms of greater grace. The grace God offers us is greater than the conflict and the hatred that uh, surround us and that can overflow from even our own hearts. He offers a grace powerful enough to break cycles of division, a grace powerful enough to change my heart if I'm reluctant to embrace His wisdom on this or any other issue, and a grace that's powerful enough to wash away any guilt or any shame, to wash away pride and arrogance, and, and leave this kind of redemptive wisdom in its place. The shape that that kind of grace takes in our everyday life is what James calls wisdom. So um, if I'm hearing you correctly, you are making a, a distinction here between posture and position. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and everybody wants to get to the question of positions really quickly. The conversations in our culture are about holding a position. Is abortion a human right or a moral wrong? Is it a matter of private choice? Is it a matter of shared ethical commitments as a society? Uh, and once we have a position on those things, we want to ask, how does that get turned into public policy? Those are important questions. But let's notice that our culture tends to say, whatever position you have, it's okay to marry that to a very combative posture. I'm encouraged to assume the worst of people who disagree with me, I am encouraged to see people who disagree with me as my enemy, uh, maybe even see them as subhuman in some way, and therefore to feel justified in using nearly any tactic as long as I score points for my position. And we have to listen to what God says here. As Christians, holding a biblical position is really important. More about that in our next episode. <laughs> but we have to hold that position from a posture of redemptive wisdom. So, Jimmy, according to Scripture, um, what would you say are the marks of this posture? Um, can we start with uh, redemptive wisdom is going to model healthy disagreement. Um, healthy disagreement is distinct from a spirit of competition, which says the goal is for me to win and you to lose. Uh, then there's a spirit of humiliation. The goal is not just for me to win, but for you to be humiliated in the process. And um, those embody the kinds of things that, that James mentions in uh, chapter 3 of his letter. Um, and, and he says in verse 14, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boast and be, and be false to the truth. So uh, instead of this kind of resentment toward other people and rivalry, this spirit of competition... And, and the desire to humiliate other people. Um, healthy disagreement says, even as we're disagreeing, I can treat you with respect. And it goes a step further, redemptively, because of the gospel. It says, even if you treat me with a spirit of competition, I can treat you with respect. Even if you want to humiliate me, I can treat you with respect because this is the way Jesus has dealt with us. Um, in his kindness, the scripture says that while we were yet his enemies, he laid down his life for us. So a uh, healthy disagreement is going to say, I'm going to lean in with respect for people, uh, even if they are mistreating me uh, in this conversation. The second thing I've learned is I've reflected on what James has to say to us 
uh, for our setting today is redemptive wisdom, if it's fueled by God's greater grace, is going to be recognizably humble. So not just an inward spirit of humility, but, but that expressing itself uh, in the way that we interact with other people. Listen to some just key phrases. This is James 3, 17. The wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, I find it incredible that here's James saying, listen, my people, dear members of my flock, I am your pastor. Um, You are being severely mistreated. You don't know where your next meal is going to come from. People are dragging you off to court. People are refusing to pay you the wages that you've worked hard to earn. And in that context of life and death disagreement, I want you to treat other people around you peaceably and gently. Um, so it would be you know, easy to kind of brush this under the rug and say, well, you know, again, they weren't facing a serious issue They were, and even in that issue, here is God saying to us through his servant James, in exactly that kind of tense, conflict-filled environment, um, that's the time for us to be full of peace and gentleness. And James uses the phrase being open to reason. That means being willing to listen and engaged in persuasion instead of engaged in attack. One last thought here, redemptive wisdom, healthy disagreement, humility that other people can recognize in us, um, but also action. James says this, who is wise and understanding among you? This is verse 13 of chapter 3. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Good conduct, that word good means attractive. So, as we're leaning into the issue of abortion and any tension or conflict around it in our culture, there should be actions in our lives that, that are attractive to our neighbors. And, um, and that should be coupled with the spirit of what James calls meekness. Um, meekness doesn't mean always backing down in the Bible. In the Bible, meekness means responding gently even when an angry response would be expected. I think as, uh, as issues around abortion unfold over the coming months and years in our culture, there are going to be plenty of times when people would expect an angry response. But if God's grace is greater, <laughs> and that greater grace is working in our hearts, then uh, gentleness will, will pour out instead of anger. So, Jimmy, as we're wrapping up today, what would you say is the main takeaway from our time that we've had so far? Yeah, just to remember that the options aren't fight or flight. Uh, The options aren't, you know, hey, we're right about abortion, so we're going to attack you and demean you and belittle you. Or there's so much tension and division here, maybe there is no right answer, we're just going to avoid the issue altogether. Fight and flight are not the, the only options. There's a third option that God's greater grace can equip us for so that we can lean into a difficult issue like this with a posture of wisdom that brings peace and gentleness into a climate of tension and division. Amen. Amen. Well, those are good words, Jimmy. I appreciate that. Um, Well, thank you for listening uh, today, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next episode coming up next week.